0: Hey there GPSers and welcome back to another edition of the GPS podcast where all of your podcast dreams come true. I hope that you're doing well today whenever and wherever you are listening to this and wherever you find yourself. I always appreciate you listening in and staying connected with our class whether you're back in our class every Sunday or you're still not able to be back. I am hoping and praying that these Podcasts each week are a way that you can nourish your faith, a way that you can find encouragement, a way that you can find a catalyst for transformation at the beginning of the week, and that would help you move in a faithful direction, that it would ground you in a faithful way, and that's one of the big hopes that by doing this each week that that will accomplish. Yes, I want you to stay connected on the kinds of things we're talking about in class, but even when this podcast doesn't exactly reflect what we did in class, I still hope that it pushes us and leads us and guides us in ways that would lead us and guide us more towards the image of Jesus and for us to become men and women who look more like Jesus in all that we do. We've been moving through a series that we've called The Characters of Easter, and today what I want to do is I want to look at a character and look at a passage that I think is a very familiar character and a very familiar passage. And yet I want us to try to hear this with those same lenses that we talked about last week. Uh, Lenses of allowing ourselves to be deeply engaged and find empathetic connections with the story and the narrative that we find in Scripture, and that we would leave that narrative world with our world looking different, because we are different. For us to see our world differently, because we've encountered and engaged the biblical world so deeply. And so hopefully today, in the passage and then in the reflections that I want to offer, I hope that we can find that connection and we can find a way to be different in our world today because of the character that we meet in the person of Mary. And so today we're going to be in John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, John chapter 20, verses 1 through 18, where we read of Mary's encounter on the morning of Easter. This is John 21 through 18. They have taken my Lord away, she said, and I don't know where they have put him. At this, she turned around and saw Jesus standing there, but she did not realize that it was Jesus. He asked her, Woman, why are you crying? Who is it you are looking for? Thinking it was the gardener, she said, Sir, if you have carried him away, tell me where you have put him, and I will get him. Jesus said to her, that he had said these things to her. Let's pray. God, thank you so much for today. Thank you for opportunities and avenues for us to allow our faith to be shaped and formed. I pray that you would today give me the gift of preaching and teaching and that you would give us all the gift of open hearts, that we would hear your voice and we would be transformed by it more into the image of your son Jesus, and it's in his name that we pray. Amen. The wonderful thing about having four gospels is that we get to look at certain events in Jesus' life from a few different angles. And this is particularly true with the gospel writer John. Of the four gospels, he writes, most often by blazing his own trail, so to speak, while reporting the events of Jesus. And this is especially true for John's account of the resurrection. One of the things that makes his account unique is his focus on Mary Magdalene. Mary is an important angle because of where she finds herself in the wake of the resurrection, in a place of grief and misunderstanding. We do not know much about Mary Magdalene. Christian tradition has often painted her as the sinful woman, the ex prostitute who joins Jesus' band of disciples, but that is mere speculation and tradition. What we do know, if we allow the Gospel of Luke to inform our understanding of her, is that she is a woman who had seven demons removed from her by Jesus and that she, along with several other women, become faithful disciples of him. We know that within the Gospel of John, her last and only appearance before this text today is that of her standing with Jesus' mother and his aunt at the foot of the cross, watching Jesus endure the suffering of crucifixion. She watched her friend die. She watched her master and teacher hang on a cross. She had to go to sleep on Friday night with those images lingering in her mind. She had to endure a long Saturday of grief and questions and sadness because she would never see her friend again. Those past events inform our picture of Mary today as she enters alone and in the darkness of the early morning. The setting is quite appropriate for this woman who is still lingering in the darkness of grief and hurt. Grief is a dark place. Losing a friend stings to the core because when they leave, there remains a hole hollowed in one's heart, that only a friend can fill. Life is never the same after losing a friend. And those early moments of grief are often the hardest because in trying to come to grips with your new reality, you feel like you're trying to swallow the ocean in a single gulp. And Mary's grief is compounded by the fact that she arrives at the tomb only to find the stone rolled away and her friend gone. Insult is added to injury. Someone or some ones have stolen her friend's body. She thinks, even though such grave robberies were common in the time of Jesus, it doesn't soften the blow. It is salt in Mary's already very fresh and very open wound of grief. And the disciples do not bring Mary any comfort. They. Come to the grave, see its emptiness, and leave almost as quickly as they arrived. Mary again is left alone in her grief. She weeps and she weeps and she weeps because her Lord is dead and someone has taken the body and she does not know where they have laid him. She is in the darkness of grief. What compounds Mary's situation in this moment is not just that she is in a difficult place of mourning, but she's also in that difficult place of misunderstanding. She does not understand why someone would be so cruel to take her Lord's body. Was it not enough that they crucified Him? She does not understand that angels are in her midst, instead of responding with fear or amazement, she continues to talk about Jesus' body being gone. She does not even understand that Jesus is in her midst. She mistakes Him for a gardener, and in a twist of irony, she accuses Jesus of taking Jesus' body. This is how grief works. Grief blurs reality. Grief cuts our hearts and leaves us to bleed salty tears and unanswerable questions. Mary just wants to be with Jesus one last time. She wants to take care of her friend one last time. Mary stands in the early morning darkness of morning and of morning. Mary stands in that place cloaked in grief and misunderstanding. But what's remarkable about Mary is that she is still named and commissioned. In the midst of her grief and misunderstanding, Jesus calls out her name, Mary. And with that spoken word, bright rays of hope begin to break into Mary's dark world. There is something about having your name called that gives people identity and belonging, and acceptance. Your name goes to the deepest, most private recesses of your heart. It's like cold water on a hot day when your name is spoken by a friend you haven't heard from in years. It's like the warmth and comfort of a favorite blanket when you hear someone speaking your name and you know you're not alone. As a shepherd calls his sheep by name and the sheep hear his voice, so Mary hears the voice of Jesus calling her name. To quote an author speaking on this moment of Mary's name being called, and I quote, in that moment, the empty tomb becomes more than the abstract truth of God's power over death. In that moment, the empty tomb becomes a concrete reality of the presence of her risen Lord. End quote. Mary is commissioned by Jesus to announce to the disciples what she has seen and heard. She is the first announcer, the first preacher in John's Gospel of the risen Lord. Jesus does not call on Mary to fully understand the implications of the resurrection, but he sends her out with tears drying on her face. Simply to tell what she has seen and heard. In that moment, a new world breaks open for Mary. She is no longer a woman in grief, but a woman comforted by the Lord voicing her name. She is no longer a woman misunderstood, but a woman with a message. She is no longer a woman lost, but a woman found by her Lord. She is no longer a woman without hope, but a woman with hope. She is no longer a woman in the darkness of an early morning on the first day of the week, but a woman drenched in the light and hope of the resurrection. She is a woman in grief and misunderstanding, but a woman who enters into a new world of being named and commissioned. When we begin to see this transformed moment for Mary, we begin to see how this is a moment of transformation for us as well. Her Easter story is our Easter story. Her resurrection story is our resurrection story. We come to the empty tomb today and we are filled with a range of emotions. Some of us are grieving in the darkness of loss and illness and pain. Some of us are angry with resentment lingering from arguments last week. Some of us are lost, craving to hear anyone speak our name. Some of us are apathetic because we think we know the story. Some of us are frustrated because we've never heard the voice of Jesus. Some of us are distracted by everything on our plate. Some of us are confused by this empty tomb and do not completely understand. And in the midst of all of those emotions, Jesus' risen appearance arrives to us. Jesus' presence appears to us. It appears in the breaking of the bread and in the drinking of the cup. It appears in the pink and orange clouds that the sunrise brings. It appears in the warm hand of a neighbor on our shoulder in the midst of crisis. It appears in words of scripture that still give life. It appears in the cool breeze of a summer day. It appears in the community of faith gathering each week. It appears in our weekly prayers that we offer for each other. It appears in the unexplained peace we sometimes feel with tears drying on our face. It appears in hearing our name being called by a brother and sister in Christ. He is risen. Christ is risen indeed. And his empty tomb calls out to us still today and says, Hope. The empty tomb says, Do not let your hearts be troubled. I go to prepare a place for you. It says, Peace I leave with you, my peace I give you. It says, Remain in me, as I remain in you. It says, why are you weeping? I am risen. It says, I am is who you are looking for. It says, resurrection is just the beginning. It says, I have redeemed you. I have called you by name. You are mine it says, go and tell them I have ascended. And so we go out named and commissioned and can say with Mary, I have seen the Lord. Amen.